This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And listeners, we want to ask you three favors today. Please make sure that you go to our church website, vcob.org, and click on that link that says Q&A podcast and submit your question. Second one is be sure to share this podcast or any of the other podcasts with friends, family members, or foes. And third, be sure to rate and review this podcast by going to the iTunes store. Five stars, please. All right, Michael, (laughs) here's our question for today. In Genesis 3.22, why does God speak about himself in the plural? Hmm. So this is a uh, a text that has stumped Jewish theologians before Christ, and uh, I appreciated the the answers they came up with to try to make sense of this mm-hmm. and and uh, give our audience a little bit of context. Let's go back to the two verses in Genesis where this comes up: Genesis one twenty six and three twenty two. So here's Genesis one twenty six. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image after." Our likeness. Yeah, so and, God is talking about himself in the third person here. Why is he doing that? Right. So either God is self-referencing in the plural or there's a plurality of decision makers. Mm-hmm. And if there is a plurality of decision makers, who are they? Why are they there? And why are they given authority? So yes. that's the first verse. The second one is Genesis 3.22. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us mm. in knowing good and evil. So are there more than one God. God, is there more than one God? Um, why is God self-referencing himself in the plural if there is only one God and before Adam and Eve there were no other gods? Right. couple uh, optional interpretations. One is that God is talking with creation. Uh, that's kind of nonsense as if creation mm-hmm. had the ability to communicate. But maybe – Maybe in the Genesis narrative, um, because animals could speak, um, the serpent was able to communicate. Maybe God is having a conversation with creation. I don't think that's it. It doesn't really fit into the context. Um, Number two is maybe he's talking with the angels. Um, Maybe God gets um, some of his awesome angels around and says, hey, let's make man in our image. Here's here's the problem. Mm -hmm. Angels are not made in the image of God. No, angels are not God. Angels are distinct from God. Angels are created beings who are finite in one place at a time. So it doesn't really quite fit, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, as the Bible um, gets, we'll say, written over the centuries and millennia, um, it's called progressive revelation. Right. And here's what happens. God is progressively revealing more and more of himself from Genesis 1 all the way um, to the end of the Old Testament, culminating in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the manifestation of God. He is God in the flesh, Mm -hmm. fully God, fully man. When you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father, they are one. And so Jesus is the pinnacle revelation of the nature and the character of God. He's the fullness of that revelation. And and that is a foundational truth of evangelical Christianity. Yep, yep. And and then the big struggle for Jewish people is Deuteronomy 6, 4, where it says, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 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 That, that's the big hangup. How can he be plural and one at the same time? Right. And God is singular. That is, And that is huge. And we can never, ever, ever, ever deny that. And um, so we get to this 
we get to Jesus, and Jesus is the fullness of God revealed. Mm-hmm. He's the image of the invisible God. And and then what happens is Jesus ascends into heaven, and through the apostles, um, he reveals more and more about the kingdom of God and doctrine and, and, and the future and what is coming. And, and so there's this idea of progressive revelation. And, and when we read the New Testament, here's what we find. And this may sound frustrating for people, um, but here's what we find. There is only one God. Yes. And yet God reveals himself or is revealed in three separate and distinct persons. That's right. God, the father who is invisible, God, the son who is flesh and God, the spirit who is spirit. And uh, and so somehow the New Testament writers had no issue saying we baptize people in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so uh, over the centuries, the first three, four centuries of the church, um, Christians were trying to figure out how do we understand the plurality of God and the oneness of God. Right. And um, eventually we coined this term the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And what we've realized is that God is a lot more complex than we initially understood. That's right. There's a part of us that wants to make God tangible and easy to understand and to fit into our categories. And the more that God revealed about himself through scripture, the more we we realized um, we are not like him. I no, mean, we are enough. like him and made in his image, but yes. we are not like him yes. uh, in complexity. He transcends our understanding. Yes. Absolutely. And so um, the early church really fought and wrestled to articulate and to put words to this doctrine of the Trinity and, and and really the most simple, easy phrase is one God and three distinct persons, mm-hmm. um, all equally fully God. So here's like a, a passage of scripture that is an anomaly for me trying to figure out God. Mm-hmm. Jesus is on the, quote, Mount of Transfiguration. The invisible God, the Father, speaks. The Son, physical, hears it. The Spirit manifests as a dove. Yes. And it appears that they are distinct. I mean, Jesus is in time and space distinct from the Father and the Spirit. It's a weird thing to try to get your head around. How does the immortal, invisible God um, manifest himself in a time-space continuum? Mm-hmm. Like that to me, I mean, our listeners are probably like, what is he talking about? But <laughs> that's the point. Like when you start to think about the God that transcends space and time and all the dimensions of this universe, and then he creeps in into our universe to manifest himself, um, of course it's complex. Of course mm-hmm. it's not easy. And and so um, we're going to get to the answer to the question, by the way. So we're just getting there. And some people are going to get hung up right here. They're going to say, that doesn't make sense logically. And here's, here's how I try to help people understand this one little thing. Um, it is clear that humanity, we're at least dual. There's a body and there's a soul at, right. the, at the very least. And when a person is dead, the soul goes away, mm-hmm. goes to heaven or hell, wherever it goes, right? But you see what happens when the body and the soul are separated. Like, that's a very clear thing. And so if I were to look at somebody and say, explain to me where your soul is right now. Explain mm-hmm. to me, like, it's not like in your physical heart. Like, how does your body and your soul connect and interact? Um, and yet, even in death, they have the ability to be separated. Mm-hmm. And yet, you're still fully you in that separation. I'm trying to confuse our listeners on purpose. <laughs> because if we are that much, com- if we are that 
that confusing as the creation, yes. how much more the transcendent, immortal, invisible God above creation, how much more complex is he? If I could have a conversation with an amoeba, and I would say one-celled amoeba, try to articulate um, how a human being's brain works and synapses and the heartbeat and the combination Can't of body done. and soul. The amoeba is like blown away, and yet the the, the distance um, between us and understanding God is bigger. Yes. And so for me, I just step back and say, as God interacts in a space-time continuum, as God interacts with us here and now, um, I say this, um, God is one God, will always be one God. Mm-hmm. And as we understand him, he is revealed in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all fully God, um, each with individual personalities, and yet one God indivisible. So how that works, I don't know. But I'm comfortable saying if I can't even understand my duality, how am I going to understand his plurality? Yes. Right? I mean, how am I going to understand a triune God? Mm-hmm. All the way back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 3 now. Why does God reference himself in the plural? Bread comes. Yes. He's, he's just, he's. Given little tidbits of really who he is and yeah. what he is like. He could have left that out, you know? I mean, Jewish theologians for thousands of years were like, well, how do we understand this? And and he's like, It'll make sense later mm-hmm. when yep. you meet Jesus, you know, he reveals more of me. Like you'll start to understand I'm not that simple. And, and uh, that's why it was really hard for the Jews to process Jesus as fully God, because in their mind, God is invisible. God mm-hmm. is spirit. And Jesus kind of blew their God concept out of the It was crazy. And uh, and so all that comes together to say what God is doing in Genesis 3 is giving a little bread come into the complexity of his character, his triune nature. And as Christians, I've just come to a really comfortable place. Um, I will never expect to understand it because trying to understand God is impossible. Period. Exactly. So. Accept it, but not necessarily understand it fully. Yep. 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 And I, honestly, when I meet him face to face, whether it's the invisible father, the physical son or the spirit, Jesus, um, I probably even then am going to be eternally confused <laughs> at the complexity. And that's OK. I think he likes it that way. That's right. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Please come back next time when we answer the question, can Satan read my mind?